Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta and generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Hello and welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. Today's guest is Lindsay Bacardo. For more than a decade, Lindsay has been coaching, researching, and developing programs for millennials. She's been fascinated by the intersection of four unique generations in the workforce. Lindsay's expertise now spans across industries and age groups to focus on creating meaningful experiences at work for boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z alike. As a nationally recognized generational expert, Lindsay has partnered with organizations such as Cars.com, Thrivent, SHRM, and the Indiana Supreme Court. It works frequently with both college campuses and companies of all sizes around the world to enhance their effectiveness through building successful multi-generational teams. Lindsay earned a degree in psychology and public communication from Syracuse University and a professional coaching certificate through the International Coach Federation. She has been seen on Wish TV, Fox 55, Fort Wayne, and most frequently on her widely popular live YouTube show, The Porch. Lindsay, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. So, Lindsay, can you tell me what a generational expert is? <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> really, when I the the way that I got there and what a generational expert is, that it's kind of an interesting story because before I was speaking on college campuses and at conventions, I was actually a musician and I was studying music and I was I was in a band at a time when we hadn't crossed over to Spotify, we had, we weren't doing all digital releases except for like Napster and like illegal versions, <laughs> but we also, people weren't as jazzed about buying CDs anymore. Do you remember that weird space in the early two thousands where you'd buy like an MP3 player from Best Buy and you'd like put files on it. That's yes. That's when I, and we were trying to figure out how are we going to be on the cutting edge of music and what happened is I started to have two different kind of research paths that intrigued me, the technological research path and the generational research path, because we started to see what do college students care about? That's who our music was going towards. And we want to talk about that, the psychographic, basically, of a college student. So I started doing generational research as a drummer in a rock band. It was just like because my background in psychology, it made perfect sense that I was curious about these things. And once I went through coaching school and understood how people think, I was able to create this interesting crosshair of understanding how humans work, how your neuroscience works, but then overlaying this cultural element of generational research. So that's how I come to the that's how I come to the table as somebody who understands both those pieces, which means that companies that are run by boomer CEOs who are scratching their heads at why Gen Zs are on TikTok all day, they need me to translate the human element, and then that the technological element, and understand from a generational lens what Gen Zs, what college students, what you're really looking for from a leader. So that's how all those pieces come together. It's kind of wild to stumble into what you love most, but I find that every time I follow my curiosity thread, I end up someplace really interesting. I love that. From rock band drummer to generational expert, what a what a range to be th- to go through. Yeah, kind of wild. Well, I kind of want to dive into you mentioned this, but I want to dive into this a little bit more of the boomer CEO trying to figure out 
what's up with Gen Z? I feel like that's yeah. a trope that <laughs> we're like always thinking yeah. about. I what comes to mind is like almost like generational tension. That's like very yes. I feel like it's very common. We hear it all the time. It's like the get off my lawn, those dang kids. Um, that's right. Specifically, right now, thinking of millennials and Gen Z fighting over side side parts and skinny jeans. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Millennials are having to deal with the fact that they're not the young, cool kids on the block anymore. Yeah, but I'm curious: is there's this like inherent tension between generations, or is this mm-hmm. more of like a societal pressure or societal like creation? That's so interesting that you asked that because people ask me that all the time. What is the key to unlock these millennial boomer memes or these (laughs) millennial Gen Z memes about side parts and skinny jeans? And to be honest, since the beginning of time, older people are annoyed with younger people. That's not new. And that's a big piece of what this is, but we call it generation. So what I find is that when somebody's in a generational tension, you know, when they're experiencing generational tension, it's one of four things that they're actually experiencing. One is developmental psychology. So if you're new to the workplace, if you're under 25 years old, which I'm willing to bet a lot of our friends on this podcast are under 25, enjoying college and their first step into the real world, right? It's very normal if you're under 25 that your brain and your biology is still developing. And so your frontal lobe where you have executive functioning, which executive functioning really pairs nicely when we look at the definition of professionalism, managing your emotions, understanding the outcomes of your behaviors, being able to show empathy, understanding how to plan and use your time, all of those things, your brain is still connecting the dots on biologically. And we know that too from personality assessments. We always say, hey, if you take a personality assessment before you're 25, there's a good chance that it won't stay that way. And so your environment affects you, your biology affects you, but you're still developing in who you're ultimately going to be. So this first piece, a lot of generational tension is actually just us young people in a, in a world where other people have been around for extra decades. And we have very uh, different layers in our life that bring about wisdom and understanding. And when we look at developmental psychology, we know that through your life, you go through different phases and care about different things. So that's what developmental psychology, sometimes that's the issue, right? And I think that's a lot of like, get off my lawn or kids these days don't know how to count change at the grocery store. What are we going to do? The world's going down, you know? It reminds me of like bringing a puppy home and you have like an older dog. That's like exactly what this is sounding like to me. Exactly. Developmentally, yes. Yeah, you're like, oh, this puppy brings a lot of energy and play. And the old dog is like, you're so annoying. I am over all of these things that you're doing, right? So you can go back all the way to 700 BC. 700 BC, and you'll find quotes about older people being annoyed with younger people. So there is just this this tension between you know, looking at the next generation and wondering, can they actually handle the stressors of this world and older generations having been through more just because they've been on earth longer, they have a very different perspective about life. Something as easy as like when you blow your first tire, do you remember when you blew your first tire? Oh yes. You seem like a really like careful person. So have you ever even had a car accident or anything? I've got a flat tire. I haven't had okay. a car accident, but hit a pothole, flat tire. 
freaked I me out. I can feel your responsibility. <laughs> I love it. I'm going like, to knock on wood. Oh, thanks. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I got rewritten it today. No. So, so tell me what happened when you got that flat tire? What happened to you in that moment? Honestly, my, like, even though I seem like a very, like, serious calm person I like kind of panicked I was like oh my god what do I do like I flash back to my dad teaching me how to change a tire but yes all that knowledge flew out of my head I had no clue that's right I was like what do I do this is exact this is a perfect example of just life experience right so now that you've gone through it once the next time you get a flat tire you might be a little less stressed you might know a little bit more about what to expect Well, if you've been around for like an extra three decades, a lot of life feels like that. Like things that used to stress you out are now just like, like just inconvenience. So that's part of that developmental psychology piece that people get mad about. The next piece we talk about the tension between generations is actually your childhood experiences that create our expectations at work. So depending on the decade that you grew up in, so Gen Xers, Um, they typically, if you grew up in the sixties and seventies, that was the first generation that didn't have daycare after school, but both parents were working. So we, we enter this new era in American society in the mid sixties up through the seventies where both parents are off to work. Kids are coming home. There's no daycare. There's no after school care. And that's why we call them the latchkey generation. So it's this generation that got in the pattern and the expectation that they had to take care of themselves right? So when they show up to work based on how they were raised and based on parenting and leadership techniques in schools at the time, it's normal for them to be more independent, to not expect a lot of support from their bosses. Doesn't that just make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Why would you need more help if you kind of grew up without that expectation there? That's exactly it. So then you have millennials who come along. We were raised in the 80s to the mid 90s. And our parents tend to be boomers who say, I want you to have everything that I didn't have. I'm going to be present for you. I want to support you. You know, my mom, I didn't get into the honor society the first round. And my mom was like, we're going to fix this. And I'm going to go to bat for you. Like that, our parents were, you know, we use the term helicopter parenting, but our parents were much more involved out of the goodness of their heart that they wanted to have a connection with their kids in a way that they didn't get to have with their parents. Boomers parents tend to say kids should be seen and not heard. So they were raised on a very different mentality. So then you've got these millennials coming up where it's not kids should be seen and not heard. It's kids should be the center of the family. We plan our dinners around your soccer practice. You know, there's a lot more attention to the kids. So you can start to see now when a millennial walks into their first job, what are they going to expect? Attention, having a voice, a more democratic environment. So you've got, and I could go on and on, but you can start to see your childhood experiences create your expectations at work. And then the other two pieces that we tend to have tension around is the definition of leadership. Leadership has changed wildly. We used to have, because of the industrial revolution, because of just where the world was. We used to have top-down authority. The boss says what we do. Everybody under the boss does what they're told. There's not a lot of questions asked. There's not a lot of conversations happening. Now we move into an era of influence where leaders are here to bring people together. It's about collaborative exercises. It's about how everybody brings their best person, their best version of themselves to work. It's about personal growth. So you can imagine if you've been a leader for 
20 or 30 years, that's almost a 180. It's no longer do it because I said so. It's what do you think we should all do to solve this problem? It's almost the opposite. So sometimes the tension in the workplace is just that expectation of leadership. And then this last one, which you and I love talking about is the tech evolution that you and I and everyone listening was born into. We were born into this. In the 1950s, we started to see people having phones. They might have a phone in the apartment building. They might even have a phone in their house, right? Attached to the wall, people, with a cable going into the ground, like totally different world. Fast forward, if you look over the next 100 years from 1950 to 2050, which we will, you know, hopefully all live through, you will see that we actually were born into a tech evolution, a communication evolution, which means that our culture is more connected than ever and that we're changing rapidly, quicker than ever. And so, you know, you and I love TikTok. We were talking about how much we love certain <laughs> creators on TikTok. We're <laughs> no longer, <laughs> yeah, we're no, send me your favorite TikToks. Uh, we're no longer, you know, planning our day around the 8 p.m. TGIF show on television that only airs for that 30 minutes. We are watching communication at our fingertips. We're connecting with people all over the place, sometimes in real time. And you can imagine that changes how you and I view communication versus somebody who grew up with only a phone connected to the wall. Think how scary that is how much communication has sped up. And I think that's one of the, if you're listening to this, one of the best things you can offer the future organizations that you work for is your tech understanding and savvy. Think of yourself like a translator, help older generations, your leaders understand what you're doing, why it matters and who you're reaching with your communication, because that is foreign to them. And it's a big leap. It's like, if I told you right now, you know, by the time you and I are 65, we will not drive our cars. Our cars will drive us. You'll hologram into convention and you'll have, I mean, I can see your face. It's like, what are you talking yeah, about? My right? brain is like, I can't even process that. <laughs> that's, that's what boomers have already been through in their lifetime. Unbelievable. If you took a smartphone and showed it to somebody in 1940, they would think it was witchcraft. They think that's literally impossible that it's not powered by what is it? The screen. I don't understand how you can touch something like that without a button. Like they would be totally blown away. So the acknowledgement for all the Gen Z's, everybody under 25 is like, wow, I was born into a tech evolution. I have a ton to offer any place that I go. If I'm willing to be a patient and respectful translator, I have a ton to offer. I love that. And I think that's something that the younger generations will overlook sometimes. It's just like, oh, grandma can't open our email again. It just yep. gets to, it's something we take for granted almost. And that's going to be us one day, Emily. That is going to be us. We're going to be asking our grandkids like, my hologram is broken. And they're going to be like, press the space bar, mom. Why is this so hard? And that's, that's what it's going to feel like though. Yeah, it will be. And honestly, can't wait to be that age and make, harassing people in my life that way. <laughs> Well, talking about the communication, that also brings me to, I again, I'm thinking of TikTok here, but like these mm -hmm. expectations and communications between millennials and their like boomer or Gen X bosses. I'm specifically thinking of this video where this uh, woman is like typing out a message and she's like 
adding all these exclamation points and emojis and then yes. like they the boss sends back K and you're like, oh my God, am I getting fired? Like just the communication difference. Do you have any solutions or like ways to think about communication between these generations when it's in my from looking at that, so vastly different? Yeah, I think you're you're really onto something because we all joke about that like only use one exclamation point in an email. Don't go crazy and don't use smiley faces. And I like to think of it like the person that has the most knowledge and awareness is responsible to be the most flexible. So if you, I believe that it's our job, and I'm a millennial, but we can talk Gen Zs too, to be the translator, to usher in the new era of technology in a way that is kind and responsible and respectable. And so when a boomer says, stop putting exclamation points at the end of your email, it's keeping this in mind, like, oh, I'm at, I'm way farther down the path on the tech evolution. And just the exclamation point is upsetting to you. So instead of fighting you on that, I can easily just take them off. And basically I'm asking Gen Z's to be multilingual, to jump into like, if you're in Japan, you're speaking a different language than if you're in Mexico City. You're going to, you being able to be multilingual because you were born in a multilingual tech universe, it's your job to be able to translate. I like that way of thinking of it as being multilingual because it is a completely different language in some ways. A hundred percent. Think about all of us who are on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever. There are codes of ethics in these universes that where you say more than what you think based on if you leave something opened or read or if you the way that you respond to a TikTok or if you we all know that there are shortcuts and new languages being formed on each one of these universes. And so not everybody a lot of that flies right under the radar. I have a 16-year-old stepdaughter. And she was like, this person left me on red. I can't believe it. And I'm like, wait, what? I don't understand what you're talking about. Why does that matter? She'll probably get back to you later. But it's like an insult in their generation. So thinking of yourself as a multilingual tech speaker will help you professionally, will actually get you ahead instead of resisting that responsibility. Take it on, own it, and see what a difference you can make in your workplace. Something you mentioned earlier was the perception of leaders through time. How do different generations view leadership and how does that impact our work today? Yes, that's a great question. Well, think about how do you even as a kid start to formulate the concept of a leader? Maybe you were in Girl Scouts. Maybe, you know, I wish I could have been in Boy Scouts, to be honest, but it didn't work out. It was, uh, now I could do it. Maybe I should be a cub master, but maybe you learn leadership from your Girl Scout leader. Maybe you learn leadership from your teachers or your parents or your coach. But when we look at this broad expectation around leaders over the decades, we see that at first, especially if you look at definitions from the 1920s, you'll see that leadership is about having power. It's about asserting your authority. It's about being able to use your authority to get people to do stuff, basically. And if you fast forward to modern day definitions of leadership, we're talking about you're not forcing anybody to do anything. You're influencing them. You're collaborating. You're listening. You're asking questions. And 
the future of leadership is also more diverse. So as a nation, the U.S. is more diverse than ever and will continue that way. Gen Z is the last generation where 52% of that generation is considered white. And so you can imagine we're moving into more diversity. We have to listen and hear diverse thought processes. It doesn't matter if it's race, if it's sexuality, if it's gender, whatever it is, being able to be a leader that doesn't just tell everyone what to do, but takes in the needs of their team and is able to support them and create an equal playing field for everybody. That's a big part of leadership responsibilities now. That's fascinating that you say that it's changed from being kind of like follow my lead to we're all in this together almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and the best we know from research that teams that are at least age diverse and at least have some type of diversity in them make better decisions. So any way that you can bring diversity of thought and perspective that matches what our actual world looks like, you're going to get a better result. That makes sense. I mean, if you have a bunch of like white guys sitting in a room, it's not going to be representative of the world around us. And I mean, we're all so guilty of that, of having a bunch of white women in a room as well. Don't want to say that like don't want to mm-hmm. say what we are completely flawless in our execution, but the diversity of age, diversity of uh, thought, experience is, is all important. That's right. And we're all working on that. And I would say any organization that's over 100 years old is going to have a history that matches what was happening in the U.S. through the 1900s. And so just putting this out there, something to think about instead of being difficult towards Alpha Gamma to any sorority, think about how you want to be a part of the future instead of cancel culture and saying this is bad. As a generational researcher, I can tell you that everything was bad in the 1940s. Everyone was more racist. Everyone was more awful to anybody that wasn't white Anglo-Saxon. That just is true of the whole society, which is horrible. It's horrific. And any organization that's 100 years old, you're going to look back over that org and you're going to see things that you think are morally bad. And that's true of anyone. So how are we going to move forward, link arms, see the good in any membership organization and move forward together into a brighter, more diverse future? That is where true leadership starts. Absolutely. And I love that message. I mean, there we can't go back and change the past. That is impossible unless we get some time travel going on. But right now, it's not possible to change the past. But what is possible is to change the future. And we can do that together as sisters, as members. That's possible. That's doable. Can't try and travel, but we can change. I'm curious, um, with the past few years in general, I feel like we've seen more of identities becoming part of your workplace persona. Is there a difference in identity presentation between generations or are all generations slowly becoming more and more open about who they are, their experiences, their preferences? That's a great question. I think the research that I've done is that Gen Zs want to work in organizations that are transparent and supportive. And so I'm looking more at how do we recruit the next generation and retain them and create a culture they want to be at? And Gen Z's 
college students, you'll sniff, sniff it out. If a company is like, we're transparent. And then you go and you're like, no, you're not. None of you are even like forward with who you actually are as human beings. Like this is not a safe environment. And so I see what's happening more is the needs of the marketplace are pushing organizations to be more transparent. And because we have social media and we have ways to unfortunately call out loudly, not, it's not unfortunate. It's just calling out before we have all the data. I see that happening a lot versus calling in and correcting people and see, but because we have this volatile, fast paced environment, you're going to see companies realize I, we have to be more open. We have to show who we are. We all have to become more self-aware. We all have to be willing to state clearly who we are and what we agree with and what we stand for. So there's this moral edge now when you get a job that you don't just get a job that makes money. You get one that a lot aligns with your values, the things that matter most to you. So that's going to continue to happen, I think, maybe more because of the needs of the marketplace. So it's not really a generational thing. It's more of a market thing. I don't know for sure. I'm not like an expert in that specific area, but I would say that, I mean, in in the world of capitalism, you make decisions based on how to save money, how to make money, money speaks. And so if you start to see that no Gen Zs want to work for this particular company because it comes to light that they have policies that are that are really against, let's say, the LGBTQ community. As somebody in the in that community, I definitely look at companies differently than I used to. And if I see that, I have no interest in partnering with them. I have no interest in giving them my time, energy, attention as a consumer or as a consultant. And so you can imagine that's going to continue to unfold, which is going to force organizations to say who they are and what they stand for. And I think that's a good thing. Ultimately, I think that's what we really want. We're looking for safety, psychological safety. We're looking for genuineness from our leaders. Well, if there's one thing you want someone who's listening to know about working with other generations, what would it be? Uh, The first thing that I always say is to whatever you're thinking, whatever judgment you're making about that person to take a deep breath, probably three or four breaths. And listen and understand from a perspective taking mentality that we are all very different. We're coming from different childhoods. We're coming from different socioeconomic statuses. We're coming from different values in our family. I used to be a missionary and now I'm in the LGBTQ community. That's a pretty big jump that if you didn't understand about me, you just, you may not, you might have thoughts about who I am and who I've always been. And so I think that for all of us being able to calm ourselves down. And this is why I get riled up about cancel culture, because a lot of times we're speaking before we really know for sure about what we're saying. And so taking a minute and perspective taking, truly take your shoes off, put somebody else's shoes on and imagine based on what they've suffered through, based on what they've endured, based on their what they've been through in their life, how they might see the world in any particular situation differently than you. That level of awareness is how we all raise our consciousness and we're able to be more kind and not just cooperative, but true collaboration where we create synergistic opportunities for each other. I see that it's so easy and a lot of memes, obviously, and shortcut jokes about how like mental shortcuts about what boomers are like, what millennials are like, all those. 
you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in those, but what happens is it ultimately creates a bias. It creates a mental shortcut where you really do think every boomer is closed-minded and every millennial is entitled. And that's dangerous. That's that's a dangerous place to live where as soon as you see somebody, your brain starts to write a story about who they are and then you don't let go of that story. That's a dangerous place to live. So whenever we meet somebody new or even somebody you've known for a while, I always say ask more questions. Make sure that you're in a calm state where you can receive a very different perspective than you and then see what's possible and see how to continue to build stronger bridges and connections with others. So we're at the point in our podcast where I like to ask all of our guests this one question, which is, Lindsay, what's your purpose? Oh my gosh, I love that question. My purpose is to create luminous space for other people. So luminous space is where you open up our mind and we start to see that there are several different options. And one of those is hopeful. And one of those is goodness. And creating luminous space, sometimes it's for ourselves. You know, this last year was really hard. Maybe you're feeling really low and discouraged in your own identity and how you see yourself feels wobbly. And so sometimes we create luminous space to say, what is true of me? What could be true of me? What do I want most? How do I start to create something new in my life and fresh? And it begins with our thought life. And so sometimes luminous space is there. Sometimes it is as a keynote speaker in front of leaders who've been around for decades, where I show them real TikToks of real people that you and I love and show them all they're doing is storytelling. You don't have to be afraid of TikTok. Okay, guys, everybody relax. We're just storytelling in a new way with music and video. Okay, this isn't the devil. Everything's going to be okay. But helping, helping create that space of, oh, maybe this isn't bad. Maybe I can release some judgment around this and start to accept the future. So that's my job is to create luminous space for people in different environments so that they can have more hope and courage as they move forward in life. I truly appreciate you sharing that. And I love the idea of a luminous space. I've not heard that before. Yes. It took me a long time to come to a word that felt right. And I think for all of us, even if you don't work for yourself or you don't want to be a speaker or a messenger, think about that question. It's such an awesome question to be asking. You know, what what am I here for? What am I doing? And for some of us too, if you're in your 20s, it would be normal to not know yet. And that's okay too. You might be saying in your 20s, my purpose is to taste everything I can at the world of the you know experience buffet. I want to try everything. That's my job right now is to find what resonates most deeply with me. Because going back real quick to developmental psychology, it's very difficult in your 20s to be like, this is my exact purpose and I'm living it out every day. Really developmentally, Eric Erickson, one of the best psychologists around developmental psychology would say, look, in your 20s, you're just trying to be connected to people. You're trying to build your tribe around you. So you think about the role that AlphaGam plays, how important that is that you stay connected to your sisters post-college, that you continue to build a safety net of social relationships for yourself. That is really your purpose is like, I'm finding my tribe. I'm figuring out who I am as I spend more time with sisters and safe people. I love that. And that's true throughout your life, I feel like, but especially younger women, it's hard to figure out what your purpose is. But all that you said, this is just amazing advice for anyone that's feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I really love doing this with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you were here. I had, I've truly learned so much and I have enjoyed this time. Lindsay, if our listeners want more of you and more of your content, where should they go? 
Yeah. Well, you can check it, everything out on Instagram. You could just go to my full name, Lindsay Bacardo. That's my handle <clears throat> on almost everything. That's my handle. My TikTok account. I'd love your feedback on my TikTok account. Um, but you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn. If you're needing some career help, you can definitely go to LinkedIn. If you want to see my dogs and see my regular everyday life, Instagram's the place to go. Um, if you want to see which TikTok got a million views, you can go to TikTok and search my name and you'll find me. Uh, but there's plenty of ways to stay connected in this world. That's one thing I feel really lucky that we were born into this time in human history, that we can all stay connected, that goodbye isn't like, goodbye as you leave yonder the prairie. I will never see you again as you leave on your horse. Like we all get to stay <laughs> connected. So Anyway, you want to just Google my name. It's very, it's a weird name. My last name is Italian in origin and I love it. And it's very easy to find me because of that. So if you just Google my name, you'll find me every, all those spots. I love that. And it will be linked on our podcast website, like always. So if you want more of Lindsay, go check all that out. She's fantastic. And I guarantee she'll have something that will either teach you something or give you a good laugh. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org.